Well, welcome. This is uh, week two of our podcast, looking mm-hmm. at who God is. Uh, and it's hard to start the day. This is the 8th of March without just acknowledging it's a very different day for us. It really is. So we have a semi-quiet house. Yep. Uh, our two youngest are in school uh, for the first time in three months. Yep, three months. Another big chunk of time um, where our our world was very much altered, very different to how we expected it to be. And you stepped out for the first time. Taking the kids to school, done yep. the school run, engaged with uh, lots of smiley mums and dads, I'm sure. Um, but that's kind of the first time you've engaged with you know, the masses for yeah. three months. Well, that's that's the really weird thing is, and I hadn't, I had not prepared myself for that this morning. That I'm taking my children to school for the first time in three months, but so is everybody else in the sense that when I open the door, everybody else is there also taking their children to school, trying to jolly them along and, you know, make sure they've got everything set and you've got nervous faces and happy faces. And, you know, it was just a really interesting experience, just how many people I've seen this morning. I've spoken to, waved to, smiled at. (laughs) Everybody's smiling back, waving back. And uh, just to come home and feel, whoa, that was was a big deal. Mm. You know, that... um, that loss of control as well. You know, over the past three months, I've been very much um, captain of the ship. And <laughs> then I, I left them again. And, you know, there's somebody else is in, in charge there of my um, my boys. And that's, um, it's interesting. And just that knowledge that everybody is going through that. Mm. You know, all parents are going through that now. Some people will be so very, very much relieved to um, hand their children over. A lot of people will be very mixed. And I think... As I've been preparing for um, yesterday morning and also this morning, just thinking about creation, I just feel really, um, I, I don't know, kind of a heaviness of heart of just how much not to forget that each one of us is God's creation and each child mm. going to school, they're his creation and they're precious. And there is a fragility of creation. We are resilient. We get through things. But we do that while still, you know, to a, a good extent, taking on board damage, hurt, along with all of the positive emotions and just seeing the the dramatic change to mm. our children's world over the past year. So unexpected for most of us. Um, and and then again, we suddenly like, OK, right, we're back to normal. Let's <laughs> let's just keep going. Let's do things as if almost nothing else has happened. And um, yeah, the need to keep being OK with things changing mm. is um, I find that very hard. I'm sure a lot of other people find it hard. I know my children find it hard that they don't really know quite what's expected of them mm. anymore and I have to keep rolling with these changes. So yeah, feeling um somewhat overwhelmed and a bit um shell shocked this morning. Not also to say also have not had enough sleep because I'm used to sleeping in now for three <laughs> months till a good eight o'clock and um half six came around much mm. too early. And then we've got to get used to the quietness. I mean yeah. the house is um it's going to be quiet and that's yeah. a bit strange. Um, and for a lot of people just acknowledging nothing's really changed yet. Yeah. So if you haven't got kids, actually it's the same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, life hasn't um, changed that much. So 
we uh, we shared on Sunday about um, creation, uh, but not so from thinking about God as creator, but also mm. sustainer. And it was heavily really weighted towards sustainer um, as well, wasn't it? We kind yeah. of wanted to acknowledge that God was creator, um, but not just stay there. Uh, and we showed the lovely video of Sam doing his Lego. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then I kind of held that on Sunday saying, actually, it's not finished. It keeps going. Um, and that's quite interesting because I think I probably, <clears throat> you know, if I think about God being creator of the world, I, you know, I guess I ultimately, and probably where I went with my my work last week or my study last mm. week was about the origins of the creation story. That's why I know it's where I went. It was my first place. It wasn't your first yeah. place. Um, but I think it was kind of my first place yeah um and maybe that goes back uh to uh reflecting on uh, kind of my first church uh, yeah. and uh probably an unusual theology these days and probably even unusual for them to have a, a fundamentalist creationist you know kind of um theology preached from the front i think i don't know so we're going, kind of going back 25 years mm. so what's that 95 yeah um I don't know if it was mainstream. It kind of certainly not in this. Country. There were certainly pockets within my church that were more fundamentalist, and we were Anglicans. We were very different to your Baptist church, but there's still elements to that. Um, just black and white thinking, mm. which I think a lot of Christians, uh, maybe just sharing um, understandings of evolution and more contemporary views of the the creation of the world, and perhaps you know views that don't include a God. Um, so they, you know, more follow that. Other Christians, almost in retaliation against that, will mm. have very, very strong, no, it happens. It happens exactly like this. It happened in six days, which I think is more your experience. Yeah, I think and maybe that was the, so maybe it was the literalism the, mm. the, that was kind of um, maybe more defining for me, that sense of, uh, so I, so our church was heavily influenced by someone called Ken Ham, uh, mm. an American uh, just had a whole school of theological thought around, you know, the literal six mm. days, and uh, he made an ark in the end, and this ark exists, oh, and I you can go, that, yeah. you can go and walk around the ark and see where everyone mm. went and and how everything worked. Um, and that was it. I remember rocking up at Bible College. We talked about that last week, and uh, and being surprised. I was <laughs> the only one who believed in creationism, yeah. I and mean, that was kind of, yeah, it didn't take me long to realize. Actually, wait a second, there's you know, no one else kind of thinks this, you know, yeah. what is it? So that took me an opportunity to, and theological does that with loads of things, with mm. your understanding. You go there with your, you know, kind of bag of beliefs and it gets kind of um, shaken about quite a bit. But I think the whole mm. creation thing was just like, oh my goodness, yeah, if I really think about that, um, is that something that holds the test? Mm. Um, and then I guess on, on Sunday, the the kind of the fancy word concordism, yeah, you know, this idea that, um, which is kind of what I think what Ken Ham does and other people does, that you can read all this science into the Genesis account and that it's somehow kind of it's all there, a little sort of clues, you know, mm. and uh, and sort of new scientific revelation come from that. Um, so that was an interesting starting point um, for me. But um, but it's interesting though because the way um, you've described your understanding of the creation story. And how black and white people can be about that. That's the very extreme Christian understanding. But similarly, I've spoken to people who, uh, maybe atheists or agnostics, who 
take a very similar extreme view on um, evolution as well. There is no space for debate. And I think the the important thing when we set out to talk about anything that is so beyond our own understanding is to have a good dose of humility that neither of us were there. We were not there potentially to watch the six days unfold of creation. Neither were we there to watch the however many million um, years of evolution and adaption. So I think I think it's important to just stress once again, not God, weren't there at the beginning, don't know how it started. Anything we have from here on is a, a theory at best. And that I think that is, and the humility is the understanding, isn't it? And I think um, similarly I've met, you know, scientists who or people who believe in evolution who are so kind of single-minded and you see that with ongoing revelation don't you so Mm. scientific revelation happens all the time and people's new understandings and you have to readapt to what your current understanding um, was and uh, that kind of evolution in thinking is is kind of part of it and I think the challenge with kind of maybe my um, my upbringing um, and the kind of literalism was it didn't shift it was kind of no and this is it and I know you know, there's a um, you know, fundamentalist understanding. And a lot of people probably do have a very fixed understanding of scripture. And yeah. uh, I have to be a bit careful that I don't, you know, that we don't kind of alienate people who have a... Uh, or similarly have a very fixed understanding of science. Yeah. Which, you know, if anything, if life tells us anything, is that things change and our revelations change. So what we thought of the world 600 years ago is not what we think of the world and the universe now. Similarly... God is always revealing himself. So how he perhaps revealed himself and his creation plan to people at one stage might not be how he reveals himself at another to those people and and where they're at at that point. Mm. And I think, so I remember hearing someone, uh, an American, say, if I can't believe in literal creationism, I can't believe in the rest of the Bible. It was Mm. that kind of same thing. It's like, if I question that, I have to, you know, how can I believe anything? Uh, And that's, I think the challenge we have is that it's okay to question that and it's okay to uh, challenge and reflect and mm. allow scripture to speak to us in different ways. And I think that open-mindedness to scripture is really important. And uh, I think that's through, you know, as I've got a little bit older and gone through mm. Bible college and gone through ministry for a number of years now and rest with scripture, it's actually, you know, we don't, succeed by holding it so tightly and unquestionably we actually grow and succeed by allowing scripture to be alive and live through us and i think that kind of works with last week's understanding as well of uh, just looking at aslan as not a tame lion and i think we need to take that approach to scripture as well Mm. that whilst it speaks to us we do not get to control it we do not get to say no this is exactly what it means and if it doesn't mean that then there is no god Mm. i think we need to keep humility as in approaching scripture in approaching something that is you know beyond us in many ways so um we've been watching x-files um a lot of x-files a lot of x-files we kind of we were uh we watched it when we were younger you know obviously we didn't yeah separately um yes back in 94 i think we'd be watching we got up to i think it was on channel four until about season four and then mm-hmm. it kind of went on to sky and we didn't have sky and i, don't no, think I didn't have sky you didn't know the sky there and so we lost you kind of lost the ending of it and it was yep. always kind of i remember just a bit weird what's the answer what's going on yeah. and you never really knew that and we're up to season 
Six now, I think. Six. So they're in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were sitting watching it last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's quite, there's a lot of God in, in the yep. X-Files. There's a lot of theology. And uh, you see both of them wrestling with faith and belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mulder said something interesting uh, around, I think he was saying that, um, was he saying that God was a spectator or that God wasn't a spectator? I think he was saying that that question, is God a spectator You know, in this world? Does he actually get involved or yeah. is he sitting on the sidelines uh i won't go into what was going on i think, I think it was generally in the sense of is he controlling it yeah is okay. he just watching it or is he involved in it um so you were really taken by that that phrase yeah, is he is, is god, so is god a spectator yeah and i think that's uh it's an, and it goes back to that watchman you know kind of philosophical mm. understanding as god just wound it all up and then just thrown it and got us spinning and then stood back yeah. and just spectated and just watching see what else we get up to down here and um and that yeah it was quite interesting isn't it i think maybe um if we understood what we said on sunday morning we'd say god mm-hmm. isn't a spectator um he's not even but he's he's not a player either <laughs> he's kind of yeah he's not on the pitch i'm sorry if i go to football with you but he's not on the pitch um would would he be a ref it's kind of I don't quite know where um, where we go with that. I mean, I, I'm I'm I th- I think it right. I I'm struggling here because we've headed into sporting terminology. <laughs> so I, I I really want to avoid saying he's like a manager or a coach. However, I'm going to say it anyway. And I think there is something okay. of that that he is there, not playing for the team not controlling it not having fixed everything so that every player does exactly what it's told and always continues mm, okay. but is there shouting for us rooting for us mm. calling us on in his way now i'm going to leave that because i am <laughs> way out of my comfort zones talking about sport and that i guess is um yeah we kind of went on a bit of a tangent there but um so is God controlling his creation yeah. and and he's not controlling his creation. He's not, he's n- neither is he just spectating on his creation. Mm. So there is something of his action, his, and that I think is really where we come to him being a sustainer. And it's interesting because th- the Celtic church had a very strong understanding of God as their sustainer mm. and as their creator. Creation was a really big part um, of being part of the Celtic people, and I think partly that was it was there before they were um, Christianized, mm, if okay. you were before Christianity came um, to, I guess the Highlands of Scotland and um, Ireland and Wales and parts of England, they were a pagan people and who had a very strong understanding of creation. But this seems to have been really fulfilled through the bringing of Christianity, and so as they had their Christian faith, they continued then to see God as the fulfillment in all that was around them, their plants, their animals, their crops, the sea, the fish, everything. And when you go back to a Celtic understanding, I personally find that really helpful because we now have gone the other way. We are very materialistic. And in some ways we've divided ourselves from the earth and God at times. And we try and put everything in boxes. So to see the way that creation is is always there and is out of our control often at times. I th- personally, I find that a helpful way to come to God. And I think there's um, the muddiness as well to how we talk about 
what happens in this world because often we say well that's obviously god's will and i i I hear this you know kind of all the time it's you know in the good things and the bad things you know god obviously wanted that to happen and how much of that do we get Uh, how do we understand that i guess Mm. um does he is it you know so if i if i'm late to a meeting and i pray that i'd get there and not be delayed has god you know taken the traffic jam away Mm -hmm. or hasn't he what yeah. do you reckon? Oh, it's interesting because if the traffic jam goes away, then, and you prayed that, then, you know, does the tendency to say, God really pulled that one out for me. If it doesn't, you say, well, God obviously meant for me to be late. Mm. So it's really difficult because God is, I do really believe God is there with his people. Um, I believe he's a God that intervenes. I f- believe he's a God that cares but there is also that sense that theology, reality, life just seems to say that often he's not pulling the strings. Mm. He's there with his creation, but he's not bringing it all about. And also, maybe that's maybe it's our understanding that if we say something, it should happen. So that mm, is, again, okay. us trying to control God and creation rather than accepting that we are a part of creation and so, in so some ways we are it, a part of it we're part of the the big picture or we're abdicating responsibility for it well that was obviously what god wanted yeah mm-hmm. and i do hear that a fair bit it's like well um it's kind of not so how much of it is my responsibility or how much of it actually it's well that's god's will so mm. that's happened um and there is some personal responsibilities in there about how we live our lives and what choices we make if i decide to walk around with a blindfold on on the street i'm likely to get hit by a car that's Mm. you know it's a foolish choice to make to do that um if i have my eyes open and look both ways before i'm crossing the road then that's unlikely to happen um so there's a personal responsibility as Mm. well isn't there we can't abdicate god's will into everything but it's a blurry ground isn't it because i don't you know i think going too far it's like well then god's not involved in anything and there's no Mm. kind of supernatural intervention in this world and i think i'd firmly want to say there is supernatural intervention god does Mm. speak in this world god does guide um i just think maybe we're not always great at hearing it and i think too often we let ourselves dictate it rather than um just being open to it and it's like the burning bush there's only one burning bush isn't there and i think mm. sometimes we think god's revealing burning bushes every day you know throughout our day and there's things that that's got to be god's will and uh, i think it's just a, a really muddy ground to stand on it's interesting though because i think what we want is we always want something magnificent to see god like extraordinary mm, okay. to see god but that kind of to see something regularly extraordinary becomes ordinary yeah but actually, if we really look to creation, we see something extraordinary happen every day. Yeah, I mean, just okay. the, if you yeah. really think about the way the world works, if you think of how impossible it is that certain occurrences mm. happen, that, you know, you, you look at animals, you look at even just, you know, how, how, how does the baby get to actually be a person? You know, mm. you, you look at that that little child and they come out all kind of all creased up and... And then they, you watch them develop and become a real thinking, loving, active person. And so I think in a way, it's almost we're so used to the miracle as it was. Mm, we're, okay. used, we're so used to God's presence in the world, in the everyday, 
but we don't see it anymore. We're mm-hmm. always looking for something else. You know, I think somebody, a, a child who's been overly spoilt by their parents is always looking for the next gift, not necessarily um, thankful or grateful or appreciating the gift they've just been given. It's like, well, but what will I get tomorrow? Um, or as, as Jacob is generally just finished eating one snack, it's, mm, can I have another treat, please, mummy? <laughs> um, you know, just, and I think maybe we're spoiled children in many mm. ways that we don't see the great gifts that are around us. Yeah, okay. um, we're always wanting something else, something just for us, something special. We're not seeing that which is given to all of us. Mm. No, that's a really good um, good reflection. So there's a couple of words that um, that we're, we're going to share, theological words. So pantheism, panentheism. 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 One we kind of think is okay, the other is kind of not okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting. We've talked a lot and in some of our prayers and meditations yesterday, we talked about God being in in the world, in the, in the things, kind mm. of. So, uh, you know, we look to the daffodils and we see God. Now, there's interesting, this kind of can cause a little bit of um, uncomfortable feeling because are we going through that kind of very... Um, almost generic understanding that God is in everything, as in God is everything. God is the daffodil. God is the tree. Um, you know, when we stroke the cat, the cat is also God. So the, now this is called um, pantheism. And, you know, this is not generally speaking something that as Christians, we have a view that God is the ant on the floor. What we do have an understanding of is panentheism, which that God is in everything Mm -hmm. that he's created so god is in you know to some extent the ant on the floor he is in the spider he is in the crops he is in the trees and the birds and he is in us and we are made in his image and also he exists in everything that he has made but not that those things are themselves god so we see god in the ant we don't worship god in the ant and that's that's a big difference between us and (laughs) other certain you know asian understandings and philosophies and religions that's how we would differ on that but i think it's still important that we see the divine Mm. in those things and if we don't see the divine in those things we can separate ourselves from the natural world that he's made and see us as somehow out of it as other and this has led to you know hundreds of years of um particularly coming down from um the early roman catholic church that you you are bad the flesh is bad the world is bad mm. we must always have our eyes on higher things above and yet that takes a dim view on mm. all that god's created that it's all corrupted and um jesus you know it was it was described of jesus that um that you know he came as the word and the darkness has not overcome it so mm. i'd say although cre- creation is marred and we all know you know especially through times of pandemic of how things can world we also know that is in it and through it and the darkness has not overcome it and that value the intrinsic value of nature you know is mm. um is inter- and i think if we look at the victorian's response to the world and this idea that mm. we can rape pillage and ponder plunder mm. the world and it's well, like way us. back beyond yeah, you know, know way way back so this idea that we can just get everything we want and yeah uh, and now we kind of do the same thing. We get everything we want, but it's just extreme. It's kind of we get everything we want and actually all the horrors are happening over the other side of the world and we never get to see, but we get the shiny box yeah, uh, and we get the yeah, the new gadgets um, along the way. And uh, and same, you know, our understanding of the slave trade is the same, mm. isn't it? You know, that p- 
person has no value. Yeah. Um, but actually, we would say, actually, that person has intrinsic value and that piece of land has value. And if yeah. we're to be good stewards of it and nurture it well, then actually it's really important. Um, and how we look after our natural world and how we take care of it. Not that we shouldn't embrace new technologies and gadgets and all those sort of things, but mm. it's it's kind of seeing the actually it's not disposable it's not throwawayable it's actually all part of god's nature and god's you know kind of planet um it's not ours you know there's yeah. always i think that it just keeps coming back to the humility if if you think it's yours or it's not valuable or it's only valuable in how you use it you negate that vastness of god mm. and his love for his creation his people all over not just not just us and if anything you know i this year has been hard and um and i would really struggle with anybody having a theology that says god has meant this to come that this is his will particularly but i do think one thing that is has come out of this understanding of coronavirus has been a uh, being humbled with the rest of the world mm. i think we can see our own little place our own little home our own community or country and we see that as that's where really God actually is. That's really where God resides, where he loves what's important to him because it's important to us. Mm. And in this last year, we've shared with the whole world on this um, disabling, you know, natural event. So maybe in a way it's, you know, we've all stood together in creation on this, um, you know, and we've well, overcome. And uh, you were showing before we um, we started recording about how theology changed after the world wars, you know, and actually mm. how um, after the first and the second world war, our understanding of scripture changed. And I wonder after this pandemic, will our understanding of theology or scripture or yeah. how God works in this world change? And <clears throat> and that's probably not something you can we will tangibly see in you know the years ahead, but we might in ten years' time see quite how the world has changed. I think, to be honest, I think um, I think our children and our grandchildren will be mm. the ones who will look back and say that's when it started to change. They will mm. see the shift as we can look back at the time following our grandparents. Um, you know, they grew up dealing with what they'd lived through. And whenever people live through things, it affects them. And when they all live through the same thing, it tends to bring about big change, mm. societal change, theological change, philosophical change. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if mm. this time, because it has affected everybody at the same time, um, does bring about a movement of change. And I really hope that's for good. I hope that's for humility and for looking back to what God has made and seeing that we do not have, we don't have it all sussed. And I think as human beings, certainly 20th century to 21st century, we have a real arrogance about us so i think we're kind of coming to the the end of our time and i'd i'd like to i guess leave by focusing on the sustainer thing i think that's the yeah. that's the thing god's not a spectator he's um whether we're into football you know or not um he's engaged and involved uh, and we might all understand that and see that in a very different light um but that's what marks us out as i guess having a faith having a belief uh, and seeking to live out our Christian faith, doesn't it? That mm. we s actively look to see where God's working around us. And that's kind of, you know, what's the, 
you know, it's not just that God sustains invisibly. Actually, I think we can see how God might sustain. So, you know, when we go through trials or difficulties or, or even joys, you know, actually, I mm. think we can look to see how God is uh, speaking to us, directing us and guiding us. It looks like you're going to quote us something. Yeah, I, well, I'm going back to something that um, we talked about yesterday. You mentioned in the sermon and this this quote really it really impacted me. So it was in the book, Listening to the Heartbeat of God by J. Philip Newell. And he's talking about the philosophy of Iri Eugenia. And I'm glad his... you said that because I couldn't say that on Sunday. So I just said, <laughs> uh, I just ignored that name. But say it again. Iri Eugenia. There you go. Um, so he said, and I've probably said it wrong. He said his whole philosophy was that if God were to stop speaking, the whole created universe would cease to exist. Mm. If God were to stop speaking, the whole created universe would cease to exist. And for me, that's a, that is, it's humbling, but it's also mm. tremendously comforting because it means whatever happens, whether the traffic jam goes away or not, he is there. And if he stopped being there, none of us would be there. So his his very existence, his very presence is continually being shown and manifested by the fact that everything exists. The fact that the bulbs will come up again next year, that the birds will tweet and the babies will be born. The weather will, you know, continue to do its strange British weather thing. All because God exists and no no cell would continue to function on a, on a microscopic level if it wasn't for his breath and that that encourages me it's it's going to be okay it's going to be okay because he is still breathing there we go we'll leave it there next week we're going to talk about god being parents uh we've yep. got some experience uh uh opposite ends of the spectrum uh on that one so we'll look forward to just sharing a little bit more uh, and it's after mothering sunday as well so yep. um, well thank you for listening um hope this has been a blessing uh and uh, god bless you this week amen